people of Earth. If you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. I'm a nerd overdrive. I RPG where it's everybody sitting around waiting to do the quest, right? I'm, I'm usually that guy. I am. <laughs> You're the guy who comes in. That's why I realized I should stop. I had that conversation today about an MMORPG, and just, I can't. Oh, well, I mean, we, we, we'll actually come back later, so why don't we just say this is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com, and we are podcasting on... Wednesday, we're back to a Wednesday, May 11th, and sitting across from me is podcast producer and physical, literal host here at the Brett Cave, Leroy Jenkins. No, I'm It's Rick a Br- lot easier to spell than Rick Brettschneider. It is, it is, it is. It is. Uh, so, Less traumatic growing up as a child, too, I imagine. And of course, uh, if you are listening to us on iTunes, please rate us please review us if you have the time uh and definitely subscribe and definitely tell your friends you can also pick us up on uh the stitcher app on uh, podcast.com there's a variety of places you can find us as well as you can find us at fanboyplanet.com where each and every podcast has its own individual page as well as many many other pages of content on fanboy planet as well i love it when you say that it sounds like every Every package comes with gum. It's like, it's like I'm selling the amazing sea monkeys. Uh, it's like, oh, watch them play. Uh, watch us flounder in the world of fandom. And, uh, of course, uh, if you hear about something on this podcast in which you think you'd like to purchase that for yourself and you cannot find it at your local brick-and-mortar store, your local comic shop especially, since we talk so heavily on comics, uh, you can find an Amazon link. I know, sorry. I just no, have I'm going to start an online store that... Only sells brick and mortar. I that's why not. Yeah. Uh, since Amazon Hard started, ship. since Amazon started a brick and mortar store, yeah. uh, only it's not actually right. But uh, anyway, you can uh, find the Amazon link as well as the Amazon uh, the Fanboy Planet podcast Amazon store. I think is a link at the very bottom. I've set that up where yes. I add things that we specifically talk about. But you can find that little search box, and we get a small kickback from that. As well as if you just are enjoying the content that we are providing and you'd like to help support the the cost, uh, defray the cost is a better thing, uh, of hosting the podcast itself and the site itself. Headphones uh, keep getting more expensive. You can <laughs> literally doubled in price since you said, Derek, you should buy these. Uh, and I should have at that time when it was a reasonable price. Uh, but those that's that's an inside joke. Uh, you can, of course, uh, donate money through PayPal at editor at fanboyplanet.com, where you can also write in if you have any questions, comments, compliments, criticism, commentary, anything at all. Let us know how we're doing, what you wish we were doing better. Let us know. I've been too glib about that. And we got some great, great uh, email this week. So please write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. And so... We've got a lot of stuff to this week. I'm going to try to keep this a little, you know, faster moving than our previous ones. I'm going to be distracted all evening because you're wearing your Wreck-It Ralph Hawaiian shirt tonight. And but officially, let's say the Wreck-It Ralph 
Ray Spooner yes, shirt. Yes, and uh, I keep on seeing different things in it that I haven't seen before, and every now and then they move around. I should say, uh, and you can look at Fanboy Planet for this, I, I wore it in honor of today. Alan Tudyk flew up from L.A. to sign at Elusive Comics and Games. This is Spectrum Number 0, as well as Blu-ray and DVD, Blu-ray DVD copies of Con Man Season 1, which now I think is almost setting the record. It's rapidly uh, approaching my record of buying meatloaf bat out of hell and as many different uh, media as possible because I paid for the iTunes. I paid for Comic-Con HQ. To be fair, I did not actually kickstart. I didn't have the money at the time for the Vimeo. Uh, So, but now I have it on Blu-ray and DVD out of sheer guilt. Uh, (laughs) So, um, anyway, he flew up and uh, he was King Candy and Turbo in uh, Wreck-It Ralph. And so it was the only shirt I had that would tie in because it's a shame to admit I own almost no Firefly paraphernalia other than a copy of the Blu-ray of Firefly. Uh, I don't even think I have Serenity on Blu-ray, which must be... uh, So if you uh, donate money on PayPal, maybe I could do that. Uh, You know, sorry. Anyway, that's why I wore it. And you can find uh, photos from the event and the charity that he flew up to support by doing this signing today. There are links there on fanboyplanet.com. We've got comics news, movie news, TV news. Our top story involves an email to us, uh, which... we should mention, by the way, it's only appropriate that we're telling the story on the 11th anniversary of Leroy Jenkins Day, uh, the day in which an MMORPG uh, raiding party was completely undone by someone probably very much like your editor-in-chief who got a little nervous, even virtually, and panicked and ran in. And uh, this is why I also don't use headsets and I, I won't speak in a game. I did it once. <laughs> I can't remember which game I did that for. And I was just like, Maybe when City of Heroes first up upgraded, yeah, or maybe it was the DC Superheroes beta. Um, either way, it was just like I was so embarrassed talking, and I'm like, I, I no, I'm an idiot. I don't want to have anything to do with this. So uh, anyway, uh, so I screamed, Derek McCaw, and then took all the arrows because the pioneers always do. Yeah. Uh, but on but this, at least you still had chicken. Absolutely. Uh, we are mourning the end uh, of, of a game uh, which is sort of to some people. Huh. How I mean, we say it's an RPG, but let's get to the letter first. It's from uh, a fandroid, as we like to say. Uh, we got some fan email from a fandroid. Billed as Raf, uh, R-A-F. And uh, so he emailed me this morning. He was not the first to let me know through Facebook, but uh, he was he was first a fan to email Hey, fanboys, found out yesterday, that was the 10th, that Disney is discontinuing Disney Infinity after this summer. I thought it was a quality product with some of the best Marvel slash Star Wars video games of the last few years, other than the Lego games. I know you and your son have played Infinity. What are your thoughts on this? Anyway, thanks for continuing to make a great podcast. So first, Raph, thank you for listening. Thank you for writing in. And my thoughts are, I cannot believe, honestly, how sad strangely I was, and I think it's because I, I, as I've been often accused, I'm a very sentimental person. Um, for me, exactly what Ref just said, my son and I played this. This was yeah. a game we bonded on together yeah. and really is the one we bonded on the we bonded on the most. We went to the midnight launch of 1.0, uh, got him everything on that first night and uh, that they, everything uh, was available. Uh, that everything was available on that first night and 
I played that game all the way through. I've got all my trophies, everything, and it's one of those few games that I really, really spent a lot of time on. With the 1.0, I, I lost some of my momentum with 2.0. Uh-huh. There are many figures that I have to here, uh, and definitely a lot I need to get for 3.0. Need to. Need such a specious yeah. word. But the reason, you, uh, Raph, you are absolutely right. Disney admits perfectly well it was uh, that it, it was a great game. Uh, that it was leading in the now very competitive, I don't know if you still call it three games, but because it's so expensive, the competitive toys to life genre of game. Right. Uh, definitely the, the, especially 3.0, the Star Wars version, um, just trounced Skylanders latest superchargers was the last one for them. Yeah. And, uh, is outselling Lego Dimensions. But if you, and the, I, and the, the, uh, Wii Amiibo. That's right. I you know I forget about that because they did probably something smarter, but because they're Wii, they're not they're Nintendo. They're right. not. It's not getting as much attention. Is if you have those amiibos, it just can add to pre existing games. Right. You can enjoy the games, and without most people them. do without yeah. them at all. Partially, you know, which is a blessing for them in terms of how poorly they distributed those in the first place. They're, the fact that they that most people end up buying them on the secondary market for a number of the figures, mm-hmm. yeah, because they just can't, they just don't have them in the stores, and so you have to. Find well, I paid extra to buy my son a Charizard because he really yeah. wanted one. Charizard has been like the bane of my existence for twenty years <laughs> since Pokemon first arrived. That's a story for a, not for a podcast, and. Uh, Got to catch them all. But I bought it, and then somebody said, oh, no, you know, they'll they'll come out in December. And I, mm-hmm. and I saw them in the stores once, uh, months later, and then never again. So I know they've got a supply supply chain problem. Listen to me. I sound like, a, like an adult understanding economics. But uh, the thing, yeah, the kick butt there. But you could tell, and I wrote a piece on Fanboy Planet uh, about it and just saying you could tell that because there have been so many sales – that they're all having a hard time right? maintaining dominance. So uh, when I say Lego Dimensions, Skylanders, uh, you know, even at Christmas time, like I got uh, Skylanders, the turbochargers, for half price. That was the one that had just launched like a month before uh-huh. at GameStop. I bought the Dark the dark starter kit uh, with the Dark Edition because it's limited edition, and that's what my son wanted for Christmas. So I got that, and they threw in the previous game, entirely for wow. free wow so yeah you know, that's that's that it's an oversaturated market that hasn't been matched really by the disney infinity i've not seen a sale no but aggressive. disney and disney infinity often you can see the starter kits for 40 bucks when yeah. it's came out at 70 and the same thing with lego dimensions lego dimensions dropped it came out at 100 and dropped down 20 to 80 normally and you can pick it up for 40 if you and if you wanted to wait you could usually you watch catch a, a sale for you know buy one at full price get mm-hmm. one for half kind of thing but that's what i'm on. saying is it's very clear that there's been a lot of pressure on there a, yeah. a lot of competition so there's that there's there's no reality let's go since we just talk like adults and understanding economics Disney just posted a second quarter loss of 6.9%. This is public record. They looked around. They went, what can we cut? And historically, in the short history of video games, Disney boom and busts with their interactive division over and over again. Right. So it's always the it's when times are flush, they go, okay, we're going to put our toe back in. They build up a really robust program 
And then they go, when times, when something goes down a little bit, they need to cut costs. They look around and go, what can we cut? Video games. Because as they proved with, uh, they shut down LucasArts. Right. When they bought Lucasfilm. Right. And they started licensing out and we got EA Battlefront. Now some people say that was a, a, a loss. Uh, you know, even I'll be honest, even my son is not that enthralled. He got PS4 strictly so he could play Battlefront. Uh-huh. And... He plays Call of Duty. He almost never plays I'm Battlefront. I'm playing it with Drew eventually when he gets it on the Xbox One, and I, I'm hoping it's going to be better. Can I cross-platform it? Because it doesn't cross-platform. That's why Drew was saying, "Should I buy another PS4 or yeah, the Xbox see, One?" I want to stick with the PS. Just I know. so you know, but um, because then I can play with my son. But yeah, he's he's saying, "Dad, don't get the." battlefront but that's the only one of these games that i could be even vaguely interested in but you know so anyway that's that's what they've done they've shut down avalanche the developer 300 people just got got laid off and it is a successful game but they but for the bottom line it's cheaper for disney to license out to somebody now there's two aspects of this though without going further the first is um it's been a, it's an expensive game to get into. Mm-hmm. People have made a big investment in this. This is a game where you have to have an internet connection because you have to be connected to their servers, and they've made no no note as to how long they will keep those servers running. Why do I have to be connected to their servers now? It's just the way it, it's just the way it works. They a lot of the stuff comes down isn't on that disc. It gets downloaded from from the internet when you go to play it. But I thought I've downloaded this all on my hard drive now. Maybe. I mean, so I, I'm not sure how much of it stays on your hard disk because or they, gets flushed out if they keep a cache the or what. Have, if we consider this an MMORPG or not. Yeah. I mean, because certainly... It's not necessarily an MMORPG because you can't play across No, but, but, but people develop, develop it. And so this is the thing is for... Uh, what I was trying to convince myself was going to be okay, and now you just messed it up, uh, is... Yeah is that it gets worse it, it thank you great um that for the way i play because i was never able to fulfill what i thought the dream of it was because my son had a wii mm-hmm. and he and it would not save on the hard drive anything he built so he couldn't do he couldn't send me the the idea was i bought it because i thought okay he can build me challenges right and i know he's thinking i know he's playing he's he's developing skills and sending them to me and it wouldn't work on the wii to send over to the PS3. So there was strike one against that. So we would just play it together and just go, and we'd build arenas and have combat and have fun together when I had him. And so for me, even though I've downloaded some uh, toy boxes and they're cool, that's not a necessary component of the game for me. Yeah, They have built a very strong community, and we were at D23 last year. D23 had a day early where... The best toy box builders were flown in. They had a competition to meet certain toy box challenges, and then the winner got a job. And so, I mean, this is a vibrant community yeah. of people building, not fighting, building. Right. And and one of the things I loved about that game was the educational component, the cause and effect of programming. A big part of that building is distribution. The distribution comes right. over the internet too. Right. So much of the stuff is tied into the um, the internet, just as far as storage. I'm not sure that all of what Luke has built is stored on your hard disk. 
versus being stored in the cloud. And I don't know if you've done this, but every time you bought a card, every time you bought a figure Mm -hmm. or an action set, you got a card that would let you play a version of the game on your on an iPad or iPhone. I did it briefly, yeah. And those are all the storage for all those is in the cloud. Yes, and that has been noted. People have noticed that there have been no updates to the game on the PC for a while. Um, yeah, the PC, iPad, and Mac, and all yeah, the, I I played it a couple times. The toy yeah. box on PC, it was never as active a game on that level. It was always the toy box, not the play sets. So I'm saying, if the play sets still work, it's still a viable game. Now the question is, I don't think they they possibly can because all you get is that one piece of plastic, and it has one RFID element in there that says this is a valid owner of this game, and it gets downloaded. And you might, it, there, best case is if you've played it before and it's been downloaded to your hard disk, it's on the hard disk. But I suspect that they still do a check for that you have a valid RFID and that well, you, you definitely have to place it. You definitely have to place it on there. Right. Uh, you did have to download updates to it. Right. Upgrades, software right. updates. You couldn't. So right. But if there weren't any, then that wouldn't be a problem. But I, I believe they're still checking to see if you have a valid. Well, then, figure. then what I'm hoping Disney does is let is license somebody to keep the game as it existed alive. Yeah. I could see them doing two things. One would be to somehow make all of that material downloadable so if you wanted to give up gigabytes of storage space on your on your hard disk mm-hmm. you could and it would no longer have to use the internet the other one would be as you say someone else oh well someone else takes over well i think they're gonna have to the do servers. they'd have to do some sort of at least at the worst case scenario some kind of green stick fracture uh, of keeping it alive for a year or so yeah. because you've got so many starter kits still yeah in the stores I can't see them. I, I can I can imagine that we'll be looking at at this situation like three years from now. They may announce that they're going to take the servers down, and that'll be the end of the And that's of okay. Life. People move on. But that's, it's but, not necessarily okay. This is, uh, you know, I've talked about this a number of times. Well, no, other that, games have died. I mean, we the, know the, that. The, the, the idea in this digital age that you own anything that you have bought. And this is a problem, yeah. And and this is one of those things. You make a you make a fairly large investment on like an eighty dollar or forty to eighty dollar starter kit, and then ten to fifteen dollars for each one of these figures. We're talking. It's not inconceivable that people can spend five six hundred dollars on something that just goes away. Someone digitally takes it away from you at some point. And that is the problem, digital. That and yeah. no, I I agree with that. I mean, I just saw a thing about. It. Apple Music, not to be anti-Apple, but this if you subscribe to Apple Music, which I wasn't doing anyway, yeah. but uh, there was some guy who was a musician, and he said he had like all his right. MP3s, and he had his rarities, and Apple Music went into, his, and they have a little thing in that contract that no one reads that said, basically, it's all at your own risk. Apple is not responsible for anything being lost. Right. And basically, they replaced, like if he had a rarity of, oh, let's say, while my guitar gently weeps. Uh, a rare live recording of it, Apple thought they had a better quality version of it and they'd swap it out and delete right. his. So he luckily he was backing things up to his hard drive. But, you know, so he got most of it back. But even demos that he himself and his musician have been doing. And that is a problem. We've all just sort of acquiesced to it. Um, I You know, I agree. There's, a, there's another problem with digital in that, you know, yes, it does degrade. The figures don't. That's one of the things I liked about yeah. it is if you like the figures, well, you'll always have those there, figures. That is a benefit. 
uh, you know, and, um, but, you know, I'm just kind of bummed. Now, the plus sides are uh, you might get a third party come in with a whole new idea. I don't think they'll be developing new things there, but whatever the next generation is, fine. Um, from a licensing point of view, it is possible that Lego Dimensions could add, now be free to add in Star Wars and Marvel. Mm-hmm. And as a gameplay, strictly as a gameplay, not from the educational perspective, certainly not from the community perspective, Lego Dimensions plays better. Okay. You know, it's a it's a better quest. It's a better, it's an interesting, you know, side writing, quest thing. The writing of the... Uh... Yeah. And, uh, and so when I have put, you know, I think that one of the flaws in the way of Lego is, like when you have the DC stuff where they and they're still expanding stuff out, they just announced they're adding Bane and I can't remember one of the characters, but you know we got the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man and the Demon Dog from Ghostbusters. What we're missing is, and Luke and I both both commented on this, is like you kind of wish you had a figure that wasn't. I, I want to play a, a Superman game where he's not a little Lego Superman. I'd wow. like to have a really nice, you know, because you get spoiled by Disney Infinity, right? Because I mean, every time I look at, it, I gotta buy it. The Marvel, um, the, what do they call the, the the one with the with the Steve Rogers sculpt? Oh, the uh, yeah, and uh, and and that's a great sculpt. That is a great sculpt. And yeah. I'm like, that's a great figure that I would just be happy to have. It's right over there. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. And the Vision is a great sculpt. Oh and, yeah, and it's, and 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 look at some of those. Oh, the Ant Man was good, and you know, and I like the Star Lord, and and there's just so many, and and it, I like Mickey Mouse, and and that's the thing. It, it it bummed me out because just last summer it was such a big push and a thing that I have really yeah. enjoyed. And as I said, everything about their announcement says this has nothing to do with the success of the game. It's something. Involving beans being counted, yeah, and someone just looking around, and that's and that's what makes me sad. It doesn't mean it's going to turn me away from Disney. It's just that anytime Disney makes money, I'm going to say, "Great, can I have my Infinity back now?" Do uh, we have anything that make you happy? Do I? Do we well, to talk about? Let's see. Uh, let's Something potentially. Let's go to comics, which is that, of course, Comic Con HQ started. No, I might be bitter about this. Uh, um, no, I'm not bitter about it. I thought it was interesting. So on Free Comic Book Day, a Comic Con HQ yes. was uh, launched its beta. Day one, not particularly full of content. Right. A but lot they of, were upfront about it. But a lot of promise of content by, I think it's Monday night, today, Wednesday, right? So Monday night, I spent time noodling around. Uh, and there was so much more content, even over two days, that they'd added up. Now, we'd run a couple pieces, like when they'd announced it, um, we knew, now it's fair to say, PJ Harsma had told us at Silicon Valley Comic Con that um, Con Man, that Con Man, Con Man was going to Comic Con HQ, and I think he even had told us then that there was going to be a season two, which is now officially announced, and you know, it was sort of... You know, we both we were all just so swept up in the hey, we like your work, it's cool, isn't it? And then we just kind of you know, and and it came out. But um, so uh, that was why I was most interested was I knew that there was some that they guaranteed me that there was some programming that I would really like mm-hmm. on it. So the thing that they were very cagey about was how much is this going to cost? Right. And the answer is a not unreasonable. Uh, five dollars a month, 
$50 for the year. So you get two months free. I always fall for that math trick. Yeah. And uh, it's actually real math. Yeah, well, it's still a trick. Uh, it, it, it's like getting ten cents off per gallon. Get, you know, a, you're three on. points away, so I'll spend three dollars to save a dollar on gas right, later right. at Safeway. But uh, when they launched, that you couldn't go into the beta. You have a code, but you couldn't go into the beta without giving them credit card information uh-huh. and the promise that they wouldn't charge you until it went live. Right. I, I, until it, it was fully, you know, ready. And to I go. think they actually said they're going to give you a mail notice when they're going to start yeah. doing it, too, which I really appreciate. Which that. is different than a lot of other people that do oh, that kind of thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Apple. What it looks like to me, if I read it correctly, is they're actually going to stream whatever they're planning to stream from Comic Con. Yeah. Free. They're not going to start charging until after Comic Con. Oh, that's cool. And I think, well, it's that's a. If you, oh yeah, the first. One's if you free. can uh, yeah. hear the sound of my uh, getting that vein, good. Uh, it is like that's where they're gonna. If they're not already, because a lot, I noticed a few. Um, well, I believe Spectrum was one. Uh, the, the free comic book day issue had a big th- a one page ad for Comic Con HQ. So there's a code there, but her universe. Uh, offered the code. Uh, I was given a reminder email. Hey, if you're interested, uh, here it is. And so far it's, it's done in conjunction with Lionsgate. So there's, uh, the, the movie that struck me as the most out of place, but awesomely cool that that's, that I can get it. There is a movie that I do actually watch every couple of years without fail. This is Spinal Tap. Um, but they have also all the, direct-to-video animated Marvel movies. So the Planet Hulk adaptation, the Ultimate Avengers, and the Ultimate Avengers 2. I can't remember what the uh, name of the other, the second one was. It had a different name, but which is basically... That's the one introduces T'Challa. Well, of course, yeah. Uh, The Doctor Strange, the Iron Man animated The Doctor Strange one is really good. I like the Doctor Strange one. The Iron Man was okay. Yeah. Um, They're all kind of B-level for me. Doctor Strange was kind of like a B-plus. They're not as good as the DC DC ones. But... um, and the other thing is, and I, I do recommend this, um, watch in a, with, a, with a damp, cool cloth ready to put over your forehead, the infamous live-action Man-Thing movie is on uh, Comic-Con HQ. It was not there on day one. It was added by Monday, and I laughed really hard because it is sort of a, it has to be seen to be believed uh, the interesting thing, there is a connection. Patsy Walker on Jessica Jones. Yes. Is in that man thing movie. Really? Yes. Not the act, not the not, character, not the, the character. actress, the actress, the actress. Yeah. Cause, uh, Oh yeah. So I don't know if she's leaving because really all I remember, I've said this before is like, it opens with a sex scene and the, and the couple, she's like, you know, no, she's pushing him off. And then, uh, the red eyes loom behind and it says man thing. And I'm mean, like, this was the worst juxtaposition of title and, and scene <laughs> that I have ever seen. Uh, so anyway, um, so there's that, but there's, I think the thing that's going to bring me back is there's talk shows. Adam Sessler has one where he's and, and the very interesting people, I think is what he, it's called. Adam Sessler and the very, where he's actually just, he's, choosing guests who are just interesting in the world of science about things he wants to know about and he thinks would make a good conversation, which you can survive on a web channel 
doing that. Um, I think I'll be totally into it. I like Adam Sessler. Um, there's a movie HQ talk show. It's about a half hour. I I don't know if they're I, – I will assume it's a weekly because you couldn't do five days a week of it where it's really focused on uh, you know movie news, rumors, and but that are genre-related. The host is uh, one of the guys from Collider, and it looks like there will be a rotating group of, of people uh, around it as well. So um, – I can't remember where else I saw. There was somebody from Machinima, somebody from DC All Access, uh, a couple of actors, and a, a, a director. Um, so it was kind of interesting that there'll be this rotating thing. It could be an interesting – if I wasn't me and already scouring the web, I'd probably be really into it. You yeah. Know, if it's your one stop, it's not a bad one stop. You know? I, I can see them uh, – You know, I was thinking what else would I expect to see on this, and I'd want to see things you – know, don't waste the Comic Con name. Give me stuff that I would that is definitely related to the to the show. And mm-hmm. I was thinking, wow, I wonder if they could get the uh, Jordan Henbrow Toy Hunter stuff and put all that up there. That'd be perfect. I, that would be a perfect thing. They've got some stuff from Machinima. There's a zombie. I started watching. It's actually a reasonably funny um, sitcom about the apocalypse, uh, the zombie apocalypse. Uh-huh. Uh, I can't remember what the name of it was, but it was produced for Machinima like four years ago, and so now they've got it. But I think there's going to be newer content from Machinima. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think there's just a lot of, there's a lot of potential to it. They admit it. That's why it's a free beta for right now. They're figuring out. And there's plenty of places to write in to say, I'd like to see more of this. You know, some things you can't because other people are the rights holders, but you've got the Lionsgate catalog, basically, and they've got deep finger. You know, there's a lot of stuff. And as you point out, there's some like, there's like a 1970 horror exploitation thing called The Babysitter. There's some really. It's not horror, it's actually soft porn. Oh, you actually watched it. I just looked at the poster. I I flipped through it. You flipped through it. I just uh, oh, click, click Rick, forward once into again. It. By the way, write in uh, editor at fanboyplanet.com. Let me know. I was like, really? What is this? It's it's like from nineteen seven nineteen. The poster made it look like a thriller. I, yeah. Okay. Uh, now you've changed really everything a, for really me. Not a thriller. You're actually put me. I'm I'll tell I'm, you more off the air. I'm rocking back and forth through puberty when you talk about this. Yes. Um, uh, anyway, uh, so there's a lot of obscure stuff in there and some obscure horror movies and documentaries. Uh, the thing I would say is like there are documentaries about the genre stuff that you don't necessarily have access to anywhere else. You know, if you want to see a documentary, kind of like what, you know, DC and Marvel have both done that usually get sold at cons or at, at, at uh, you know, at comic book stores. Yeah. Um, there's a, I would, I'm not. I'm making no predictions, but I think it'd be a perfect place to land for comic book the movie, which you can't get on DVD right now. That's Mark Hamill's yeah. directed thing. Uh, I and I was thinking about back issue, back episodes of shows that are not you know like, even um, like Kevin Smith's uh, Comic Book Man. You you know license that, but I think that's actually on Netflix. Is uh, it okay? I think so. But you know one one thing that is uh, there are uh, by the way I should say the first six episodes of Alf. Are available yes, they are. on there, so I watched a few minutes just to see, and which is funny as heck. So I guess I was watching that Sunday morning, and Luke walked by me and said, "Oh, it's Alf." And I said, "You know Alf?" He goes, "Yeah, they watch it on the Goldbergs all the time." 
So nice. he knows nice. it because another show, a character watches <laughs> it over meta. and over. Yeah. Oh. But they could they could take um, video, and I know they have it, of uh, Comic-Con masquerades. Put yeah. that up there. No, I think that's I mean, that's one of the goals. And the Eisners. Yeah. yeah. Um, all these award shows. And and I don't know the details, but I did see uh, before I came over tonight, you know, because the problem is putting together the itinerary, start searching for stuff, and it becomes a black hole. Like that, I mean, I, I type and I go, I'm done. Now let me do something else. And then I come back and something else has popped up. Right. And I'm like, ah, oh, crap. Well, we can't talk about it all because we got to sleep. Um, but that a, there's a rumor, strictly a rumor, that there's going to be a larger pop culture award ceremony at Comic-Con this year. And that ties in perfect. Many companies have tried this, like uh, AMC did one. Uh, Stan Lee got the first uh, AMC award, like, you know, I can't star of the year or something. And then they did a big ceremony at, at comic con, but they did it as a private party. Oh. And so, you know, yeah. it's it where there is that kind of, as I've, as we've said, you know, there's, there is a little feeling of elitism that's really starts to bother me when nobody else has access to it. Right. But if they could do that elitist, here's all the stars sure. gathering at this party, but it's broadcast and, for the plebs. It, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. What do we call ourselves? You know, broadcast for the fanboys who could not get in. We're outside. Of, right. The no, norms. we should just watch it on our devices. The little people. I am the little people. Uh, so uh, that makes perfect sense to me that they might do something like that because I. But I would love to watch to be able to watch an Eisner's, especially like yeah. There were a couple of years Jonathan Ross and Neil Gaiman hosted, and it was supposed to be really funny in between. Now I don't know if I have a good fast forward control on it yet i didn't have a problem with the streaming i'd say quality the of what the streaming was good the, the, the once you well, if well you right, want to skip fast forward through the dialogue tough. and the babysitter right yeah yeah exactly um for one thing hit detection on their controls was a little off on the on that that's a bug they'll figure figure that out but yeah the streaming was not as performant as what you'd expect on hulu or netflix or any of the other ones their their servers are not up to up to speed for the demand, I imagine the demand might That's okay. Apparently, my router hard. really isn't either. So, yeah. um, you know, um, because I don't get great quality, honestly, on that Netflix. But, you know, I've got, I, I get like 200 down and 11 up. Oh, I'm supposed on. to. Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. Uh, it's very rare that, like, when I watch Netflix, I won't I won't name uh, my provider. It rhymes with schlamschlast. Uh, it's mine, too. And, uh and if it were a something entity, uh, it's now a, it, it's a, it's a nonfinity instead of the. Uh, <laughs> anyway, are you sure you're making this hard enough? To I, I think maybe you're covering. Yourself uh, and instead it was a blast. Uh, it was more like a. Uh, so every now and then you get a. Uh, sometimes though, I do get really good quality, but not when I'm actually wanting to watch it. Uh, yeah. Apparently, uh, the, they know the rats in the garage get fan fantastic reception uh you know so they can they can download um <sighs> anyway <laughs> so the squirrels they walk by they watch the view uh during the day and uh so i thought it was fine you know there's it's not like super high quality but i, I think i've you know that's as much about production value like again What's an HD Alf going to look like to me? You know, they, they <laughs> scary. Didn't have that. <laughs> oh, I saw a picture today. You don't want to see. Uh, no, I, I didn't can't. know there was a seam there. Oh, yeah. oh. 
Anyway, uh, so I think I, I a lot of great potential. And I'd say, you know, check in. And if you, it, it really, if they're saying the truth, you know, you, you're it not going to It seems like it's pretty sa- uh, safe to try out the beta, even though you give me your your, your uh, but visa it, number. But I think that the longer, you know, that the more it gets into, uh, if it gets to be stronger, more content producers uh-huh. will be trying to give them their stuff. I, I don't know why they wouldn't say, okay, d- maybe eventually Disney will sign and say, you can... It's fourth or fifth run, but you can have, you know, you can have Captain America, the wave phase one of Marvel movies on there. Yeah. Where everybody's seen them, but now it's kind of a. I, just I thought you were going to say the old, old, old Captain America cartoons with the limited animation Jack Kirby art. I would love to see those I because see I don't want to buy them, but no. I'd love to because it's like, why well, I have the complete Spider Man 67 collection. Yeah. I watched two episodes. Yeah. And then I went, uh... It's something yeah. you just leave on. <laughs> yeah, so... Or you do something else. But, I mean, yeah, there's room for that, because where else is it going to be yeah. now? You know, there are things where it's too narrow a taste. And if they're not right. going to create their right. own... If those studios aren't going to create their own... And I don't want them to, because, like as I said last week, I'm tired of spending... The fact that I'm going to have to break down and pay so that I can watch Star Trek ticks me off. But yeah, I don't see any option. Unless they start allying themselves and melding like Hulu and Showtime have done, which is right. for a little little bit extra, you can get show. I don't know how much extra, but you can get Showtime, uh, and so yay, you know. So we shall see. It's a lot of potential. Check it out. Poke around. We did. Uh, we did mention that it was launched with Free Comic Book Day, and so there's the aftermath. What was your favorite book out of Free Comic Book Day? Because I don't. Uh, I don't boy. have one. Oddly enough, let's see. I, I have my my mostly favorite ones here. I would, oddly enough, I think it was the Captain America one, the uh, Steve Rogers. Which I did read a few pages of, and I really liked it. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to Cap being back. It's not that I don't like Sam, but... They're going to coexist. Yeah, I like the fact that there's an older Peggy uh, or Sharon. Sharon, Sharon in this. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. And uh, art was nice. I mean... This uh, and we're getting back to the roots. I like Captain America versus Hydra. I like Captain America America versus the Red Skull, and we're getting that's where we're going. So, yeah. And this had the uh, the teaser for the next Spider Man arc in it too. Dead no more. Yeah. So uh, that looks that could go either way. <laughs> I know, but you way. know what? It, it's the thing is, I, Nate and I have talked about this a lot. Is with Dan Slott. Every time Dan Slott announces a new plot line people go no i'm never buying spider-man oh, yeah. again and no, then no. he always pulls it out now of course he could fail but i mean i think how many of people hated the idea of, of superior, superior spider-man and, and it, was it was great absolutely great book how many people and i mean they do still start grumbling people don't like the tony stark version of peter parker but i love it but i love it yeah. and the other thing i i'd say you know when you get back to we'll talk later about civil war but that's you know, really, they're setting it up in the movies because because this is a Peter Parker that if you have Tony's backing from the beginning, right, that changes a lot of things. It's not a story you oh, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, unless there's a big fight between the two of them, which is also an interesting thing where you know maybe Peter walks away, like the one, like what happened in Civil War. Yeah, exactly. So maybe yeah. Uh, well, we shall see. Um, 
and then uh, you graciously let me read Rom, um, which was the book I was looking forward to most, but I got there too late to pick Five up. Five finger, ten finger Rom. Well, they said they had to update. I, yeah. I'm I'm with that. I, I don't know if because they don't have to tie it directly back into the toy anymore, and that's what the toy hands were basically closed. They were mittens. They yeah. were they were boxing gloves with a hole where you put the the, the analyzer. Into. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, if you have never encountered ROM before, yeah, I be gentle about it. If you've never encountered ROM before, it's a good intro to the character. Looking at it, I was like, well, it's kind of a it's kind of a retelling of the first Marvel issue, but who the heck who would pick that up on Free Comic Book Day would remember that? Would you know know it? So you got to reintroduce those who did and remembered it would would smile. I'm and those surprised who at how many elements they could keep. Like I really thought, it's yeah. interesting because yeah. this says Rom. I think I think the thing is now they can. It's it's like a Shazam Marvel thing. They can say ROM on the cover. Uh-huh. They can say ROM Space Knight inside, but Marvel owns the trademark Space Knight now. Interesting. Because they, it's Venom Space Knight. Well, and they, they did a series on Space, Space Knights. Knights. Yeah. They they briefly toyed, but they had a they had a substitute for ROM in there. And at one point in Age of Ultron there was a timeline like they were like I think negotiations went bad. And uh like because they had released art with like that one of those chalkboards with here's the future and there was a reference to Galador and there was a reference to Rom and then it disappeared when they like reprinted it. So I think that they were moving forward the idea that they would get those characters and that, that they would get Rom and be able to use them again right. and then Never. they lost yeah. it. But as I said again last week, my my hope still is since IDW does those artist editions, those big like or, 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 of a lot of Marvel books, that maybe there's just enough goodwill between the two companies to do reprint to just reprint Bill Mantlo's stuff yeah. because it was fun. It was fun. It was fun. The other half of this book, of course, was Action Man, which I was totally British bo- GI Joe totally bored by, it, and and oddly enough, it reminded me of the re- relaunch of Captain Action. Which I was totally bored by. Well, because the the reason for Action Man to exist is so that the British would have a G.I. Joe that yeah. wasn't G.I. Joe. And they're just making him into... And I will reluctantly agree with you on the Captain Action as much as I really love uh, the character. I love the... Oh, uh, yeah. You know, uh, that... I uh, absolutely believe in the sincerity of Ed Cotto, who owns the the property, and his desire to just keep Captain Action. But the things that made Captain Action fun, why kids loved that toy, had mm-hmm. it's the opposite of what I say with like Rom and Micronauts, where it's the comics that made people love Rom and Micronauts. However, the when they did they did like four issues of the comic back when the toy was out. Mm-hmm. And they didn't involve him changing into superheroes. And I remember that was much more entertaining because they, they really built up the the Dr. Evil character. That was, uh, by the way, from DC. So you yeah. could you can find – oh, you didn't say that. So I'm just saying Sorry. to anybody else, you can find them there from DC. I think it was more than four. I think it was like seven or eight issues. I, I could only remember – I didn't – and that, but again, those that's, days I didn't get but every you know, comic I wanted. Well, and that's one of those you – know, to me, it's weird because now I'd say you know how to find whatever you want that's yeah. faded away. But there it again is how like the toy business changed. Is I would have started getting comics with ads for Captain Action uh-huh. when I was three or four, and I wanted that 
doll when I was three or four. Yeah. And by the time I was aware of who Captain Action was, he was gone. Yeah. There was like, you did not, I couldn't, you didn't find him in Kitty World. You didn't find him at Grant's. Uh, there, there was not yet a Toys R Us. Um, yeah. Can you imagine that, kids? A world without a Toys R Us. Hey, Kitty World was a really good store. There's still one up in uh, Marin. Oh, yeah? But it just sells uh, backyard play equipment. Oh, the one on Stevens Creek. Oh, it was like great. Nirvana to go to. Oh, that was a fun one. And there yeah. was one on uh, El Camino oh. in Sunnyvale. And that's one I would go to. That's the first place I got Star Wars action figures. Yeah. And I bought all my Hardy Boys books there. Uh, and Estes Rockets. Uh, so, great store. Anyway, uh, once again, uh, this podcast keeps threatening to become... Rick and Derek remember the toys of their youth. Uh, let's talk about Viewmaster and Give a Show again. That was like 30 minutes. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, we did mention uh, that uh, that they introduced in Captain America, right, the new the new Wasp, who is Nadia Pym, the daughter of Hank and dun-dun-dun, his first wife, Maria, that everybody forgot about, except I didn't realize people had forgotten about her because... I remember reading like early issues stories where I wasn't an Ant-Man fan and I knew Maria existed. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I don't know why people forgot it. But the interesting thing, I did not realize this, is that, okay, if she's Nadia Pym, uh, that Nadia is Russian for hope. Mm-hmm. So it, it does. People are like, she's Nadia. She's not tying into the movie. She is. Yeah. The new wasp is the daughter of of, Ant, of the first Ant Man, so clever and has the same name. Uh, we picked up both of us actually got the same email from Kevin Eastman uh, of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fame uh, about the Commandy Challenge at DC. And as, as I was saying earlier uh, in conversation before recording, um, this was announced back at Emerald City Comic Con, and I just totally, as I was putting together stuff for Young Animal, the Gerard Way. Uh, line that's like vertigo but taking away from vertigo i don't explain all i know is that cave carson has a cybernetic eye and uh so they they're talking about the commandy challenge which is 12 issues 12 creative teams a different one on each issue yeah i shall read out for you as you helpfully provided 13 teams sorry dan abnett and dale eaglesham peter j tomasi and neil adams amanda connor and jimmy palmiotti James Tinney the Fourth and Carlos Danda, Bill Willingham and Yvonne Royce, yeah. Steve Orlando and Philip Tan. I like Philip Tan. Marguerite Bennett and Dan Jar- yeah. Jurgens. I miss Jurgens's art. Yep. Uh, Keith Giffen and Steve Rude. Yeah. I miss Steve Rude's art. I love his art. Tom King. He's going to do a great commandy. Yeah. Tom King and Kevin Eastman. Yeah. Greg Pack and Joe Prado. Rob Williams and Walt Simons. Yeah, boy. Uh, Gail Simone and Ryan Sook. Oh, I wish Ryan would talk to the press. Um, I know he's local. He just uh, does, does new interviews. As well, uh, Len Wein and Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Man, oh, man. Uh, no date has been announced because they're figuring it out. So this is based on, pen. if you don't know is who would remember this, except for people like me in the 80s who bought everything. DC did this. It was called specifically the Commandi Challenge. Because DC did a series in the 80s called the DC Challenge. It was 12 issues, maybe 13. Um, and 
you weren't remembering because you were thinking the Marvel tryout book. That's oh, the one that's where right. you have yeah, the big yeah. Bristol board. Yeah. And you could. It was, you could be you a writer, ink, inker, or, or an pencil, artist. A penciler, yeah. yeah. Uh, please, the inkers would argue they are I artists understand. and they are right, yes, as well indeed. as colorists uh, are artists as well. Believe me. Uh, certainly. Um, no, the DC challenge was that you'd have one creative team would do one issue with a cliffhanger. They would they could be as crazy as they wanted, not explain anything, leave you with a cliffhanger, and create the so, title for the next issue's story. Big old mic drop. And the next creative team had to figure out what the heck was going. It was a mess because you'd get a creative team that would look <laughs> at something wacky that happened and go, "We'll just leave that for the next guy to figure out why that happened," you know, and. You had that was actually the first time I ever read a story with Buana Beast. It was before Grant Morrison uh-huh. did Animal Man, uh-huh. and Buana Beast became really crucial to DC Challenge because they started doing things like, "What's the stupidest character we could throw in here and make the most crucial?" So it 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 was for our listeners. Explain Buana Beast's power. Buana Beast. Some of you may recall watching the uh, Batman, Batman Brave of the Bold. Bold. With my favorite, it's still a creepy power, um, is that he could take two animals or more and combine them into a chimera of, so I think like he did a horse and a spider on Batman Brave and the Bold. Yeah. Pretty much captured who he was. Um, and then he was used. He's dressed like a wrestler. He's, he's got no, the- you're being too kind. Um he, yeah, he was Tarzan in a red loincloth with a mask that had a leopard skin kind of jean. If you imagine the worst of Marvel Girls costumes, that remember that Neil Adams designed it, a green dress with this weird oh, yes. two-horned uh, right. mask, um, like a Wolverine mask, actually. Uh, so it was leopard skin, and he had red lenses. Um, it made no sense. Yeah. Um, but... Anyway, it, it it was bizarre, and and Grant Morrison did use him to a f- tragically effective uh, work in, uh, in when he did the first Animal Man story. Um, so a, you know the commodity challenge, I think, is ripe for this. It's better than you're you're limited to characters that would make sense in commodity, but that was a crazy world because essentially it was. I love this whether it's a. Uh, apocryphal or not jack kirby wanted to do planet of the apes right no one would give him the rights to planet of the apes so in typical kirby fashion when planet of the animals <laughs> planet of all the animals and one boy will be taylor uh and they had other humans but they were like radioactive young or... charlton heston uh yeah no it was ben blue was that the it's like an android dude yeah ben, ben or ben something. bolt ben bolt yeah Anyway, and he has a circle on his chest. He was like a I got to dig that because I do have the first volume of the uh, yeah I have the Kirby Kirby Kirby. yeah and uh, it's just one volume. No, there's two. Is there two? There's two. Okay, yeah. Uh, And then somebody else continued it after he left, but I don't think that's included. I think it's all just Kirby. Yeah, I have the I have the Demon the the Commandy ones uh, the first Commandy one. I don't think I have the second, but I haven't read through the first one yet. I haven't read through all the Demon, and I love the Demon. The Demon is great. Fantastic, fantastic stuff. So that's cool. Let's play a little What's in the Bag. We don't need the theme. We need Nate for the theme song. I listened to it today, uh, the attempt last week, and went, we became more Rain Man. What's than in the bag, Derek? Well, you tell me first. Oh, I get to go first? Yeah. Yeah, you always do. Uh, You're older. 
I'm going to might go. not last through the end of the podcast. I'm actually. I want to make a com. One of mine's just a commentary and a. And That's a, fine. And a. Uh, we and break the rules all the we time. We break the rules. We're we're we're, we're rebels. Uh, we know that a lot of the books are coming to close before DC does. Reaper. We just say the plot lines are coming to a close. The numbering is coming to a close. Oh, that's true too. Yes. Okay. You're right. Yes. So and and oddly enough, they're coming to a close on issues 52. Oddly, oddly, oh, I think purposely. Oddly, well, for the ones that lasted for 52 issues and didn't didn't start amidst the uh, the burning husks of what those that so, did not. some of them only lasted 5.2 issues. Right, and some it's all about that tricky decimal. Some started in, along the way. So the big two, Batman and Superman, um, are. You got Superman action comics, the final days of Superman, uh, and in the numbering of the uh, Superman books, this is number six, but issues fifty-two, and then you have Batman fifty-two. Batman fifty-two wraps the fifty-two issues. This ends the series mm-hmm. in this book, and it's and it basically it says we'll be back with Re- Batman Rebirth. Superman in action comics. Number fifty-two does not end. So if you're if you're looking to buy the follow-up, and if you aren't already buying Superman Wonder Woman, you need to make, you need to put that on your list because this is the uh, this this storyline is continued in the next issue of Superman Wonder Woman. So I thought it'd be nice. We if should say as a, as, a, as a follow-up to last week's, we talked about the Batman Superman, where everybody was excited because it was the first appearance that you. It's not the Chinese Superman. No, it's not new Superman. It's it's a character. It's it's a genetically modified version of one of the the uh, mother of all heroes, the mother of heroes. How she gives birth to superheroes every eight days, and so there's a scientist who's like trying to modify it. So I don't think that's actually that new okay. character of new Superman because it's a guy who comes out of a test tube basically and does not have. Uh, doesn't have an identity or personality. She just calls him son, and I don't think that. So I don't think that's right. Unless somehow he becomes. Go ahead and speculate. Maybe he does assign yeah. that identity. But so I've I, heard that from multiple sources now. That well, but, he's, he's not named, and I I would bet if they were clever, yeah. Let's let the speculation begin, and then let Gene start over. Sure. With a brand new thing. So, yeah. uh, all right, I will say farewell to Starfire, uh, Amanda Connor, and Jimmy Palmiotti. Uh, their take revamping uh, Starfire in which they really took the strongest, the best of every different incarnation of Starfire there's been, including the Teen Titans Go because she has the little alien pet, Silky. And uh, I and I have loved this book more from afar. Like I, I, I fell behind on it, but my son's been up to date. And the fact that this has been one of the books that despite uh you know she's a uh, she's busty she's attractive it's been one of the books she's that, vavoom she's vavoom it's given her a person she's less vavoom in the book she's yeah more it's, it's given her a, it's given her a personality it's given her a cast a supporting cast and it's a book that my son has looked forward to because of his loving teen titans go instead of not I couldn't show him Red Hood and the Outlaws. Yeah. So I love what they did with her here. It is coming to an end, unfortunately, but uh, that it means that there's going to be two really strong, fun trade paperbacks 
because with 12 issues you've got yeah you've got volumes yeah. one and two and i would i highly recommend it when they come out so that's that's mine there well speaking of two highly recommended trade paperbacks similarly this week we have the ends of two of my favorite um series series yeah to come out both issues six the first from vertigo new romancer which was basically lord byron and casanova as opposing uh as opposing uh, Mm -hmm. protagonist and villain uh being brought into modern day by a woman who uh, absolutely adores the works of byron and you have all kinds of uh silly nonsense but six issues Oddly enough, I'm not. I'm recommending you do not pick up these issues because it's issue six, which means there will be a trade paperback of this out pretty soon. So pick that up. Similarly, issue six of Batman, Teenage Ninja Mutant Turtles. Teenage Mutant Ninja, Mutant Ninja, Ninja Turtles. Turtles. Surprised the heck out of me with how good they integrated the characters I would say together. the best crossover that shouldn't have worked since Archie meets the Punisher. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I'm actually going to put it higher than Archie Meets the Punisher. Well, I'm saying since Archie yes. Meets the Punisher because that, that shouldn't have worked and it did really well. Yeah. All kudos to Bat and Lash for that one. So, again, IDW uh, here, issue number six, undoubtedly a a trade paperback coming your way. All right. Uh, next up, I'm going to go with one of the digital um, uh, digital to print adventures of supergirl with uh definitely a melissa benoist we are still waiting to hear if it's renewed yeah. uh but did you watch the last episode yeah yeah that they're going to but they are saying that they're willing to move to vancouver for production i didn't realize it wasn't oh, okay and so that should lower the cost it's easier to fly up there but uh, especially if you're melissa benoist uh but it's uh sterling gates uh is the writer and he was writing a series for them uh, a supergirl series earlier he wasn't the last one the last time they did Supergirl, but he had done it earlier, uh, and an artist named Bengal. Um, so I just like, I like, and I think this is one of the best ways to get, you know, again, kids in if or, or people in. If you like the TV series, gee, think uh, how revolutionary is this? A comic book that actually looks like the TV series and deals with the continuity. They've got a Flash one. And they've got an arrow one that's been digital first, and then they, you know, and even though it's going to an end, the Batman sixty six was a ridiculously good fun. So I, yeah. I'm, I'm recommending. Can we divert on this for a second sure. and talk about that last episode? Because I thought that last episode was perfect for yes. because if you don't know it's coming, if it's if it's not coming back, it was a great cap for yes. for the series. The I, actually I was really surprised and correct me. Had I thought it was weird at the end when she. She bashed her head in the mirror and said, "How's Annie?" <laughs> uh, did did uh, had Maxima shown up before? The I think I missed an episode, I or don't, I don't think I missed an or, episode, or maybe I didn't, and they just brought her in and referenced. That's what's so that was magnificently so crazy that because I had to stop it and explain to Justin what what was so awesome about it that. It is so magnificent well done and frustrating like the episode where superman was over that is that was the end yes where all they show is his, his boots. boots i'm like for god's sake just cast him because we know he's not going to be important yeah, to it. yeah. but I, I mean that's the problem. i like i like if the, they just do the boots. no just the boots because that was really frustrating me because they built it up so big now it's like such a it, it, it is almost a joke in the series right how 
Clark never actually appears, that it has to be someone so massively amazing. There isn't anybody that would do a TV series. Sure. That could be. I totally get why Supergirl has to be, why it shouldn't be. Superman can come in and save her. Absolutely not. These are her adventures. I get that. But if you're going to bother bringing him in, Bring him in. And the explanation that, well, he was brought up on Earth. That was, uh, he was susceptible to the, oh, that was perfect. Well, it was wacky. It was like red kryptonite. It was good. But the, the, the other thing was the ending when she and John Jones fly off together and you go, this is the, their dynamic duo. They're going to fight crime together. And then. And again, they show you so much of John Jones as John Jones. Oh, yeah. I love that. And then they have her, her looking and going, what? That can't possibly be. And then they cut it, you know. Right there, and Justin's going. How can they do that? It's like a cliffhanger. No, it's not. It's not that bad of cliffhanger because we have no investment in that mystery so far. It's just like it's out of the blue. It's something. not like the Flash season one where he died apparently. No, no. <laughs> but it's more along the lines of the the briefcase in Pulp Fiction, right? Yeah. It's it's just like this is another mystery that she's gonna. It's it's the it's the uh, and if it does come mystery. back, and if it does come back, it's easy to write into. But here here's my bet. It's her father. Oh, you think so? Who is now in the new 52, Cyborg Superman. Oh, okay. So they've already blown Cyborg Superman's identity. They've used it for Martian Manhunter by saying Hank Henshaw uh-huh. is, that's the old Cyborg Superman. But if the new Zor-El is, cyborg, is the Cyborg, that's what I would bet is there is. Okay. He's been damaged. He's going to be... And, but as a writer, you know, and that, that, that germ... Yeah. Could go anywhere. Oh yeah, yeah. It could be a baby. Yeah. It could be. It could be her. It could be. Him. It could be Kal El. It could yeah. be baby Kal El, like from another because they've already got alternate dimensions. Right. Right. Yee. So, but just what a perfect, a absolutely, perfect capper absolutely, ending. Absolutely. Okay, go. Okay, so uh, one of my favorite, one of my guilty pleasures, and every time I read this, I go, I should not be enjoying this book as much as I do. Because it's just so wacky. I read the first issue and, and didn't like it. The vision, and they've they've, they've finally gotten up to the vision and Wanda. And I've peeked into a couple of issues, and this is this is going to go where no book is gone for they're, they're, quite a uh, while. They're playing a reverse Doctor Manhattan on that cover, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I know, and <laughs> I do know. <laughs> It's all red instead of blue. <laughs> oh, but uh, this is when nerds talk. This is this is kind of important because this is issue number seven. By the way, right? Issue say. number seven. What we saw in Civil War, yeah, lends when, to the and, potential and we'll, of a relationship we'll, we'll coming up. Oh, absolutely. We'll yeah. talk. We'll talk about it. Yeah, great. So there you go. Yeah. Um, my last, and I'll, I'll wrap up quickly too. Is another final issue, right? Four of four. Uh, Boom Studios, Kennel Block Blues. This hmm. is the most unique, and I think I talked about the first issue that I was interested in it. This is, when you talk about it, as Boom used to have, it still does have the ta- the hashtag comics forward, push comics forward. That was Ross Ritchie's thing. Um, this is such, I called it the twist in my head. I don't think I, again, not like that I could share with anybody. Um, but I was reading it and go, okay, I think I get what's going on. And I was right, but it's layering two things. So Kennel Block Blues, the first issue was this dog, these anthropomorphic dogs and cats. Right. And a couple of rabbits. That's incredibly anthropomorphic as, uh, as far yeah. as. They're in, uh, he, the, the lead character is thrown into prison. Uh, I can't remember what the name of the prison was. Um, and to he retreats into a musical world. So it's almost like an anthropomorphic dog and cat 
pennies from heaven. <laughs> you laugh, but it's really engrossing. And the thing is, I call. I realized what was really going on, and I, I, I was right, but they didn't tip the hand too soon. And I don't want to. I, I don't want to ruin it. And you're probably flipping through and seeing and, and ruining it. Uh, my suspicion, if I how they would pace it out in the beginning. But this is such a unique idea. Uh-huh. And, I, and, and I realized saying it out loud. It's the first time I've said it's the pennies from heaven. But so it's a single story and a single issue. Four issues. No, I mean, it's, oh, it's a, a mini-issue. So the trade paperback of this will be out soon. Okay. And uh, I think I believe this kind of has been selling out wherever it is because it, it, it is so it is so unique. And it, it is. The art's really cool. It uh, is, there's a big double page spread of uh, a view down on a no prison doubt. riot. It's before. I, no, I, I love before. the art. Uh, this is by uh, Ryan Ferrier, is the artist, is the writer, and Daniel Bayliss and Adam Metcalf are the artists. I, I, it's just one that's just like, because it was so. It's just a cool, different idea. And it's. It, oh, I'm hoping I didn't read the fourth issue, but, but the first three issues executed it so well. Hmm. And you know, using prison, prison movie kind of things that you know, you know, tropes, right, right. but with these anthropomorphic animals, and then the the, the musical aspect, which weirdly works in a com- in this comic book, you know, it, it's just really it, it's really cool. So loving cool. that. Uh, so it's off the beaten path, but definitely we'll put a link up for Kennel Block Blues as a trade paperback. And thank you once again to Boom Studios for presenting really out there stuff let's go to movies shall we uh let's there's a new you didn't know didn't see this article but salon wrote a piece called the tragedy of bigorexia and it's an interesting take and we've been we've been dancing around controversial topics over the last uh, few weeks uh interesting take on body uh, you know dysmorphia issues bigorexia is it, i think salon's you know Coining the term, but I and, and it, but I think it's gonna it's taking off the idea of we talk a lot about unrealistic expectations for body types for women, uh-huh. and what it is is that the modern uh, their argument is that the modern superhero in film has changed the body expectation for men, and that like all the stunt people having to build themselves up have actually done themselves harm because they have to stay in touch. And their point is when you look back at what George Reeves was in 1950, I think that's when he started 1949 was Superman and the mole man. So, um, the, our vision of what a strong man looked like compared now to what you have to be like what Chris Hemsworth and Chris Evans well, and even even Adam West in uh, the 60s was not that was defined not, not that uh, not ripped you know uh, yeah. and so uh the saying is it's that you, but if you look at and I realize this because I have a friend uh, well, a friend from Boom Studios who has gone through one of those like nerd strong gyms and really oh, looks yeah. good and he's been going through that where they've they gamified working out but apparently like i don't pay attention to these magazines just look at this physique i've earned uh honestly by having nachos yeah. at adelita's uh is um, you're, you're courageous that way i i am bold uh no i i've lost some weight but that's because i wanted to ride amusement park rides and uh it's sad that that really has been my motivation but there are things like Muscle Magazine and Fitness have been doing like superhero workouts and, and that it really has become this idealization 
doesn't affect me because I've grown up always seeing and and certainly drawing the hyper muscle. Well, as you know, you know, learning to draw from looking at Neil Adams and how many shadows right. are in there and how many muscles. I don't draw people particularly realistically, but definitely superheroically. Everybody has that, you know. Um, and so, you know, it's just an interesting. We'll throw the topic out there and say it, it it's there, and at least. Uh, a, a mutual friend of ours posted it saying, you know, yeah, this is kind of, uh, he was acknowledging that there was some, he felt some truth to it, even though it was very overblown in the way it was written, mm. uh, this article on Salon. Uh, so uh, Big Orexia, the superhero model, which is, I mean, I, I get that. It's like, I think that's, you know, that's, you watched, you saw Terminator Genesis. I don't know what we talked yes. about the podcast, but we... Gen- and we yes, we we had the conversation. My problem with Genesis with the movie Terminator Genesis wasn't so much the plot, though it was not particularly well handled. Good mm-hmm. ideas, but that all the characters were so modern hero defined, right? Um, in a way that made no sense when you compare to the original Terminator. When the reason that Schwarzenegger was cast as the Terminator was because he was a cartoon character. Right. That's why he became, you know, he was Conan. Because nobody could embody a Frazetta painting right. in the 70s. And in 1984 with, with Terminator, he's still kind of this, you know, it made perfect sense. Not just because of his limited, at the time, acting skills. But in general, you know, he stood out. Now he's just if if Arnold Schwarzenegger were appearing today, trying to make it into acting, he would not make it because of his accent, because he's influenced so many people that that's what we expect. Like Hemsworth is amazingly ripped. There's a scene in Civil War where I uh, I'll tell you exactly where it is, but we'll get deeper into the movie. But uh, it's when Steve Rogers is talking to Sharon Carter back at her hotel. Right, and they get the, and that's when Sam gets the call. You better check out. There's been, you know, another accident. Um, it's clear to me that that was a scene shot after, because Chris Evans is visibly smaller in that scene for the- than he had than he was in other because you've got that amazing helicopter shot. Oh yeah. Where it's just and people are going, I can't I can't I'm like, are you kidding? It's actually a character moment. This is you're seeing it, right. you know th- thank you. Talk about there's the difference, you know, between Zack Snyder. You're seeing a comic book panel, I can't tell you what specific one, but you're seeing a comic book moment right. brought to life, you know. Um but you but that's where I saw it. It's like that guy, that huge figure did not fit that well in that suit at Sharon, at Peggy Carter's funeral after, you know, I mean, that's a, right. So I mean, it's clear that there's a big difference and that's, and that's just, you know, it's weird. So, um, let's get to actual news about, uh, about movies. Ben Affleck last week was named officially last Friday, executive producer of the justice league franchise. Um, and which is because He's we are last best hope because we know there is another. Uh, we do know. I, I don't know who it is. <laughs> um, it's me. It's Lon Lopez. Uh, that uh, there. I woke him up. Uh, that uh, we do know that he's going to be writing and directing. Uh, he's already written and the is Batman. planning to direct a, a Batman solo film, which is I was all for. Uh, and uh, I thought Zack Snyder would have handled it all right, but I'm glad to see Ben Affleck taking it because there is not a Ben Affleck directed movie. That I have not liked. I've ne- I should say better. I've never not liked an Af- a movie he's directed. There, the one I love is Gone Baby Gone, and you, 
uh, not Gone Girl, Gone Baby Gone, which you can only watch once because it is so maddeningly depressing, but it's beautifully done uh, based on a Dennis Lehane novel. Uh, Argo is fun. The Town is fun. Yeah. I'm looking forward to his Batman. Um, Birth Movies Death uh, website, uh, which is uh, not Drew McQueenie. It's uh, Devin Farasi. I can't remember which site he started with, but he was one of the early outside of Ain't It Cool News, big big guns in uh, in geek criticism, if you will. He's claiming that uh, Darkseid is not the villain of Justice League, that it's actually Steppenwolf. Interesting. Being because that's who invaded Earth on Darkseid's behalf right. in Earth 2. Right. And so uh, there's a deleted scene, which I hope they don't edit back into the R-rated version, for a, a, a reason I'll get to, uh, with Lex Luthor communicating with something from another world. Right. It doesn't really look like Steppenwolf, but it's definitely it's tied into the mother box we saw with Cyborg. Right. Um, and why I hope they don't edit it back in is because they need to be free to design a better Whatever Steppenwolf is, yeah. if that's who it is. Um, I think that's a little silly because you've you've built up don't go left turn. Yeah. This franchise is not going to last long enough to if you don't deliver to build up to a dark, you know, you don't have 10 years. Right. Because even Marvel has underplayed, you know, Thanos has only appeared a couple of times. Right. We're about to end it with Thanos and we're going to get Avengers Infinity War within 2 years. That's going to be it. Phase 4 because we we just began phase 3, right? Yes. Yeah. Um phase 4 is going to be something beyond that what else can there be oh maybe resume the rights to uh fantastic four and let's take on galactus mm. Mm, wouldn't that be exciting i don't like the way you did it was uh, it sounded uh mm. it sounded like you've been watching the babysitter uh mm. so <laughs> uh, anyway uh which i think is funny i just noticed that remember we the, uh, before the summer they pulled the uh previous fantastic four movies from right from distribution right they're back on the cable channels uh wow. fantastic four and fantastic four two were back on uh stars uh this last weekend because people would them. actually watch those dude i'm still i know. i and i see so much hate for it and i'm like uh no they're great kids movies they're great superhero kids movies to watch watch yeah so I'm happy with that one. What people aren't happy with is apparently X-Men Apocalypse screened Friday and Monday this uh, this past week. And uh, the embargo was lifted Monday afternoon. It doesn't open for another two weeks. Uh, it opens Memorial Day weekend. And uh, I got... <laughs> I got a text message from David Fowley, who runs Keeping It Real in, out of Chicago. And he said... They really shouldn't have lifted the embargo. <laughs> and I went, no, don't tell me that. And apparently that's been the reaction. This is Man. just kind of a meh. So I don't that's know. That's too bad because it was looking so good. Uh, I had to work so I couldn't go up to the screening. And uh, I don't know if there will be later ones closer to the opening. I'd still like to see it because exactly it looks so good. They Simon Kinberg, the writer and executive producer, said, oh, yeah, the next X-Men movie is going to be set in the 90s. We already know that the New Mutants is going into production. We already know there's going to be a Deadpool 2. Uh, you know, although the other thing that people are noticing is since uh, the Spider-Man uh, Marvel Studios crossover is to be working is, you know, maybe there can be a malleability. I say the argument is something's got to give either somebody leaves from marvel 
or somebody leaves from Fox yeah. that allows for better new relations and new conversations. Right now, they're not in those conversations. Yeah. It's just not there. It's kind of like the DC Marvel thing. I think we're almost to a point where DC Marvel, as, a, as comics companies, could maybe broker a crossover again. Uh-huh. But 15 years ago, you know, that that bridge was burned by Bill Jemis and Joe Casada, and and they and they cried all the way to the bank, yeah. you know. But uh, so they they were right to, uh, or it didn't hurt them. But I think now, because again, the average, I don't think the average person understands why these characters can't cross over. It's it's a win win. It's like it's like IDW publishing all the old ROM stuff. Yeah. Give me my ROMnibus uh, from Marvel because. It's just it's it's just sitting there. Reprint it. Let yeah. IDW do the work. Make a little money. Disney. It's just like Infinity. Cancel it, but let somebody else run it and take the risks, yeah. please, because we'd love to. Uh, so we just see now, which does mean let's let's have this. We can actually have the Captain America Civil War conversation because everybody in the universe has seen Captain America Civil War. Yeah, some people have seen it twice. Uh, some people have. I have. <laughs> that was fun. Uh, greatest movie ever or just greatest movie of 2000 no you know it's not it's a great movie it's it but it's not even the greatest marvel movie no and it's not even a great superhero movie it's a great movie it's 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 a well scripted well acted character development good plot but it's still a movie it's not a film winter soldier yeah. was a film and that's and that's to me is the is the pinnacle yeah um but would you agree with me with what i said last week is that it, of what the chapters of the great Marvel story are, uh-huh. it is the one that has balanced the best. In that every time there's a clue to another movie, it still serves the plot of this one. Yeah, they're not like cut in scenes. The vision did not go into a cave to have a vision right. of, you know, but instead the subtlety of. He's just trying to reassure Wanda as she's afraid that nobody will talk to, you know, and right. the, as the so you see this of, pimple on my forehead. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what this is. And I'm like, I do. I do. No, it's going to be crucial to the to the Infinity War. Uh, but that it's just a throwaway bit. Yeah. That clearly sets up. And then there's the clue later, you know, like Vision hits Rhodey because he was distracted. Why is he right. distracted? Because as you pointed out with Vision number seven. He's going to have a relationship with Wanda. Right. That And and yet you watch, and I've seen it twice. I assume you have for your intimations that you have as well. No, I'll be seeing it short, again shortly. Okay. Well, I've seen it twice. And that, uh, that from the very beginning, it's clear that his awkwardness isn't just awkwardness because he's the vision. It's awkward because he doesn't understand why he himself actually seems to have emotions mm-hmm. toward Wanda. Right. And so, like, okay, that's pretty cool. Uh, definitely, you know, the introdu- the reason Black Panther is there is so smooth and good. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I think awkwardly, I re- realize the king, T'Chaka, makes reference about vibranium being used as a weapon. I don't think he was talking about the shield. I think he no. was talking about oh, the Age of Ultron right. uh, with Claw. But there it is, you know. We just we st- that's that points out to me again how awkward that insertion was because it didn't need to happen. Because ultimately, Ultron getting vibranium served no purpose to the rest of the plot. Yeah, and it didn't even actually turn into 
all that much. It, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It served no purpose. It yeah. became nothing other than a chance for the Scarlet Witch to mess with the Avengers' heads and show those fantasy sequences, mm-hmm. those dream sequences, which you didn't need the vibranium as a MacGuffin to right, do it. Right. And so I don't think people realize there's a connection between Claw in Age of Ultron and Black Panther here, but you don't need it at this point because Black Panther was introduced so smoothly, as was Spider-Man. Oh. Oh. You know, everything about that is so is so great. Even though, it, as I said earlier, it changes the dynamic of who Spider-Man is from the beginning or sets up that in Homecoming there's going to be a falling out with Tony Stark. I, I don't want to give away too much of my theories, but I realize as, as this week, if anybody wants to, you can go to fanboyplanet.com slash tag slash Marvel Cinematic Universe and all the reviews of all the Marvel, not the X-Men and not the Fantastic Four movies, but all the ones that Marvel, Marvel Studios Cinematic. have. All those reviews are up, including uh, articles associated with it and a speculation where I was wrong about Jarvis becoming the vi- I thought he would become Ultron, but it was fun to five years ago. I have a new idea of where they're going to go for Phase 4 involving Robert Downey Jr., and so I want to talk about the, because there are clues in here. But there's another thing when I look at the whole picture, and this much I'll say is there is an amazing consistency, even as they were probably haphazardly plotting, an amazing consistency in the characterization of Tony Stark. Not necessarily his actual actions, they seem very inconsistent. But it's because Stark is an addict. Yeah. Aside from having mommy issues, every movie we see Stark in, he, gra- he whatever new sure. conclusion sure, he sure. reaches to, he this is his great character flaw. He's inflexible in his thinking. Yeah. Once he's, once for he's, someone who for someone who is so brilliant, he yeah. is absolutely. Uh, you know that 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 he can't. He's the smartest guy in the room, but he can't admit he has no idea when he's wrong. Right. And. Um, but and he will fight and and that's uh, you know it's like there there are counter arguments to that whole his guilt about that guy dies is like why should we f- sign uh, you know don't you remember when this happened well Tony that was your fault don't you remember when this happened Tony that was kind of your fault <laughs> you know yeah. you sort of um and necessarily but it, it it is interesting and my gosh the the young Robert Downey Jr. gee two movies in a row that de aging thing works really well yeah because Luke looked at me like who's that boy and I said it, it's him and unlike you know, when you had the young Michael Douglas in Ant-Man, it was kind of like, it's creepy, but it's still a little uncanny, like it was too smooth. But I looked at Robert Downey Jr. But of course, this is the thing about Robert Downey Jr. He's always looked like a ventriloquist dummy. Okay. <laughs> Think about it now. The way, watch young Robert Downey Jr., the way his eyes move, especially uh-huh. Wonder Boys with Michael with Michael Douglas and Tobey Maguire, of all things. There are, you know, he he always was aware of himself almost like an alien inside his body, which makes him perfect to be the smartest guy in the room, uh-huh. even if he not, wasn't necessarily. But he's always had f- features. I've always are, felt like he wasn't giving himself away. He's he's observing and, uh, and well. Now that I've said it, watch a young Robert, uh, a performance of a young Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. and then and then think about it in terms of somebody's controlling the eyes, like yeah. just the way like there's a it's almost too, they're almost too deeply set in the eye sockets. Okay. <laughs> um, but, and that's what, that's what the young, and was like, but that, that was the, that looked like him as a young man. Uh-huh. I, it was just 
perfectly. I could have imagined like oh, they went looked back like in time. it fallen right out of a uh, out of, of less than zero. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, out of a Brat Pack movie or something. Yeah, there it is. I think I think less than zero counts as one, even though it's a very tragic compared. Yeah, um, you know the the thing about you know, we we talk about this and I, I, they both both Civil War and Batman v Superman deal with the same germ ex- with the same of basic idea of, not just conflict of what are your responsibilities right, right. when you have these powers but i would say far and above from a dialogue standpoint from people actually talking through the issues and discussing and yes. arguing with each other instead of just being robots programmed to attack the opposing viewpoint uh, the head and shoulders above. Well, the other thing where the Marvels had the advantage is they've earned it. This is chapter 13. Right. Batman v Superman is chapter 2. But you have characters that haven't been around that long and they're still able to do it. I mean, the whole um, the whole uh, Queens Brooklyn thing, you know, with, mm-hmm. you know, and then Roddy. Um, Roddy. Roddy. I always do that. I don't know. Why? It, I... If your life depended on it, you know you would. I'd you would, stop a, and take in a hostage time. situation when they asked you a trivia question. <laughs> you would be dead. I would, and I'm sorry. And you'd be so close. No, you'd be dead because they'd be holding a gun to your head. You'd be like, me. "Who's Edgar Bergen's ventriloquist dummy?" And I go, "It's not Paul McCartney, damn it!" And you would. You'd still Paul. Uh, <laughs> yes, I'd be dead. You're right. That's exactly but, how we go this, down. Like the scene in the car where where, where Winter Soldier says, "Can you move your seat up?" And he goes, "No." It's a good character bit it's, because it's it pays totally off, a character, which pays off and later when he's like, "I hate you." It's and a, it's <laughs> a, it's a, it's lyrical in the sparseness of the dialogue, but yet it cuts so because closely to because, the characters because their character yeah. illuminating instead yeah. of Batman v Superman, they are caricatures at best. They are caricatures. They are mouthpieces for somebody mm-hmm. else's point of view. Instead, I, in my review, I. It's McFeely and Marcus, Stephen Marcus, I think M A R K U S. I can't remember what McFeely's first name. I realized they're the they're the screenwriters of all three Captain America movies, and they uh, created Agent Carter. Oh, okay. So basically, the things that are the, to me the most seamlessly integrated. Um, but there's something about that consistency where they've kind of had ownership of captain america and bucky in particular and and falcon so these are characters that they have actually they're different people they're different personalities and i had never thought of because i'm not as i said before i'm not that big a captain america fan in comics um i've read him off and on um i'm not i don't know that much about the falcon in comics uh-huh. i feel like i know Anthony this Mackie's Falcon. portrayal very well. And one of the things I liked about, I realized this is like, of course there's jealousy between essentially the sidekicks. Yeah. Bucky is the old friend. And now there's people like saying, oh, they wussed out by not making Steve and, and Bucky gay. I saw that in Vanity Fair. Yeah. And I'm like, here's the whole thing. They are friends. There's that line. I mean, it's a, it almost felt like a stop dead when they reminisced about that girl that when they, you know, they go out into the... What way, was her name? You yeah. know, uh, Betty? Dorothy? Yeah. Dottie? Something. Yeah. And realize, no, it's perfect because 
who else? Could, they can't. Steve can't talk to anybody else, right? About the old days, and of course she would. And then you get that moment where she he says, Bucky says she must be a hundred years old, and he says, "So are we, pal." Yeah. And you're just like, they both are. I mean, they're not really, but they are, you know. Yeah. And that's and, and without like doing a huge dramatic scene about Steve. I mean, people have said like, you know, oh, Peggy died off screen. I'm like, I didn't want to see her die. Oh, why? Yeah. Because I still want to see we her. We saw in her with her family, and when he, he left the room, right? I mean, no, it? we never saw her family. We never saw her family. No, but wasn't her family coming in when Steve was no. leaving the room no. in the last movie? No, it was a nurse coming in just time. Um, she faded out, and that's and you know, so it was, you saw that tragic moment, okay. which breaks my heart every time I watch Winter Soldier. Which you know, that's the thing is, I watch those movies over and over. And this one is like, no, it's kind of, I don't want to see her die, but I do want to see Steve react. Yeah. And that getting that text, and of course, that's what would happen for him. And the reason why he was there, and that's why, oh, Chris Evans, please re-sign a contract. Because like I've said before, he is like Christopher Reeve was for Superman. But the interesting thing now, because what's been going around the internet, and I've had the most conversations with people who aren't geeks about is Sharon's speech at the funeral, which right. is really Cap's speech yes. from J. Michael Straczynski from the first Civil War, uh, from the comic about, you know, you move it, which is actually extrapolated from Mark Twain. And I, I was talking to, to a coworker and I said, you know, the most amazing thing to me is realizing that as much as like Superman the movie change what people thought about these th- things could be. And Christopher Reeve became Superman. Right. But that wasn't a story from the comics. We are actually at a time where what surprised me most about Civil War was how much of it had the same beats yes. of the actual comic, but was stronger to me because I was invested in the uh, evolution to this plot point, mm-hmm. to to the to this conflict. And realizing that you that they now can when there was a time there is no way that a screenwriter would have come in and said let me look at the comics and see what works there because superman the movie throws a ton away and reimagines so much to the point of it just was it infamously uh, marlon brando did want to portray jor-el as a bagel so he wouldn't have to uh, he wouldn't have to appear. He wouldn't have to get it. You know, he could just do send in voiceover. Right. Um, you know, why not? Who knows what aliens look like? They could be. They could be bagels. Uh, so um, it, it's that was a bad Marlon Brando. I admit it. Right into editor at fanboyplanet dot com. But you know that now that that is you can you can see those, and that's why Warner Brothers is on the right track and the wrong track because they don't understand how that story came evolved and, and so. When we, I was saying earlier about it's a different environment. Like Ben Affleck isn't gonna be. We've talked about this before. He and like Jeff Johns isn't in Kevin Feige's position yeah. because the difference is Bob Iger bought representing Disney, negotiated for Marvel, understanding who understood the characters, and letting them have control. Yes, Warner Brothers didn't do that. They've always felt they picked the guy. They gave control to the guy who had been in the room and infamously told me in the first interview I ever did with him that he had been in a pitch meeting for Green Lantern and they said, "Do we really need the ring?" 
you know, and and that attitude is still there. They yeah. they sort of understand and they and they don't. So we shall see what what happens there. But my God, you know, again, loving Civil War. We'll see it again. Oh, my favorite. Okay, and we did get fanny mail. I should say from Patrick Marr, um, uh on the Facebook page. Uh, that he just realized something at the end of of this. The Avengers are now the A team. They escaped from a maximum security stockade. They're still wanted by the government. They survive as soldiers of fortune. And if you have a problem, if no one else can help, I know I didn't read it like the A team, but I don't. I, I I didn't watch that. That was my brother's show. Um, and he says so. Hulk is B A. Thor is face. And Ant Man is Murdoch. <laughs> I don't know who that makes Cap. Uh, I guess uh, Hannibal, right? Cap would be Hannibal. So yeah. So anyway, I you know I, I thank you, Patrick. That's that was a pretty funny uh, I, you know thing. But uh, gosh, I love that. And what a and the post the post credit scenes. Oh yeah, what a brilliant establishment of Wakanda, and then just a I you know it's like Bond. Spider Man will return. <laughs> yes, yes. Was going nuts. And. Okay, so Peter fumbles with the web shooter. The infamous spider signal pops out onto the wall, right? Yes. It's animated. Yes. It looks like a computer AI. I'm sure Stark is giving him that. Like like it's some kind of like set of controls that he can he can then make it do different things. Yeah, well, yeah. and that's the thing that it sets up. Like if you go to Spider-Man Homecoming, we know where Tony Stark, the Tony Stark will appear because Downey agreed to be in it and all the behind the scenes interviews everybody talked about how wonderful it was that he's really seeing Tom Holland as the guy to carry on his role in the Marvel Universe when he himself is cannot be Tony Stark anymore that and so he's mentored Tom Holland and so you've got this off screen thing going we didn't talk about how this is a pitch perfect Peter Parker we did we didn't ex- go into details, but I said that last week, and we said it, it just a few minutes ago. Just, I, but then I got I shot wanna, in the head by terrorists who were holding me hostage yeah, because to, they said, "What kind of pitch was it?" And you went, um, "Plu perfect." But, but to, damn it, I'm dead. Okay, but not, and just, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't spent so little time with a character and gotten it. and gotten that much of what makes Parker Parker. Mm-hmm. And putting him in an age-appropriate age. And without belaboring Uncle Ben. Yeah. And to explain when you can and, do and, what And I, he, he had an opportunity where he could have gone, gone into the right, Uncle Ben story, but he didn't. He held reserve, which was great. When you can do what I can do and someone get, and, and yeah. you don't. I mean, that's that's it. You summed yeah. up the character yeah. without belaboring. So it is pitch perfect. I'm really looking forward to Spider-Man Homecoming. But the thing with that, as you say, with the signal is now you have a Peter Parker that is being backed by Tony Stark from almost the beginning of his career. Yeah. But what an amazingly powerful, dramatic arc it will be when they have their falling out. As you said, that's how what happened in the actual comic Civil yep. War. But now could that happen? You know, that could happen on screen. Yeah. And then Peter's going to get knocked back down to being the scrappy inventor who's got a mac 512k good lord i love uh, that <laughs> like but the, i'm wondering is this true uh, there's a perfectly good dvd player sitting around <laughs> so, you know it's impossible to hook one of those things up to the internet uh, a mac 512k yeah the original Macs. 
I somebody did it by building a board that sat outside of the computer and fed stuff in through the uh, the serial port. Yeah, I thought there'd been an adapter. Yeah, I thought there'd been an adapter for the the eight hundred K that like the no. Mac Plus that looked the same. I, I read a, a pretty serious article about uh, the uh, sixty eight hundred. We got too deep. We yeah. got too much in the weeds there. That's down the rabbit hole of nerdiness. Yeah, we lost you. All right, uh, let's get some TV news, uh, which is that Powerless, the sitcom. That's sort of like The Office, set in an office, uh, but also set in the DC universe, has been uh, picked up for series by NBC. It's starring Vanessa Hudgens uh, and uh, and Alan Tudyk. Uh, and there will heard that name before. We have. There will be heroes uh, throughout, uh, apparently references to mainstream. They have the rights to reference them all. The only hero that is confirmed to actually... Uh, appear in at least the pilot is the Crimson Fox, who was a member of Justice League Europe. Uh, and so um, it's just Very a tri- interesting the, choice. The trials. Well, I get it because in a way it's one that you hear about it, you'll see her and go like, it almost sounds like the parody of a character. It almost sounds like the tick. Because you don't want, they don't want to go, look, the Arrowverse and Supergirl I know. Are, are using all the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately, Crimson Fox died horribly. I can't remember who killed, oh, uh, the Mist killed her oh. um, in Starman. Um, like, the Mist went through and killed everybody in Justice League Europe. I think that was the Mist who did it. The girl, the daughter. Uh, in Starman to prove like she was just kind of building up uh, to get these items to kill uh, Jack Knight. Um, so we shall see. Uh, it's it's happening. I think that means that, that ABC can't do the Marvel planned damage control because I just think they're too close. And so let me let me say, well played, DC. You finally got one of your ideas out before Marvel could beat you to the punch with the exact same theme. Or they could do it and do it better. I don't think they will. Well, that's what they've been doing. You're right. Um, And I had that little debate uh, over the weekend. It was just kind of like, well, you know, uh, this DC DC was just copying Marvel by doing Batman v Superman. I went, no. I said way at the beginning when they first announced it. Batman v Superman was a Hail Mary play. They had a panel. They were going to announce give details on Man of Steel 2 and people hated Man of Steel and so they went what can we do to salvage this let's throw in Batman it was not until four three or four months later that Disney announced that they were going to Civil War and honestly remember Batman v Superman was delayed by almost a year yes and so maybe a year and a half it's supposed to be like Christmas and then so it came out like 15 months later so um, for special effects work and I was doing the air quotes I don't know I mean maybe that is true um, but the thing is if they had gotten if they had released it when they first said they would nobody would be making the Marvel would look like they were trailing badly conceptually they still would have done it better yeah, yeah. but it wouldn't have been this like oh they're trying to cop well th- this is the reality yes that's what happened in the comics there are analogs. I used to fight that when people would say that. But, you know, like, oh, new Teen Titans. Is that just the X-Men ripoff? I was like, X-Men is the Teen Ti- original Teen Titans ripoff. You know, but it wasn't. But I didn't understand that. But, uh, but we, I mean, we know that it's now infamously proven that Jim Starlin created Thanos to, to rip off Darkseid. He tried to make Thanos look different. And Roy Thomas said, no, nah, go ahead. Make it look as much like Darkseid as you can. 
without getting their lawyers interested. Right. And so, you know, that that's that's what happened. So, okay, DC beats one out of the punch. And I I'll, I'll, and I will still say um you know, they're kicking butt on CW even though CW, you know, CW is every show. I swear as much as I love The Flash, every time a character explains something about the plot to someone who I want someone that other character to go, "You know what? Now that you mention it, I was there, (laughs) (laughs) you know, when they're explaining things that are strictly for the audience, but they don't care who they're explaining it to. And it doesn't make sense. You know, they're super explaining it. Well, like they have to, they had to, they had to re-explain everything about Jay Garrick to, to Henry Allen. But they have to do that on TV. Yeah, but it, but he's the he's one of the characters that shouldn't. Some places do it better than others. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. like as much as I love the clue, I love the clue that Garrick. Oh, that was my mother's maiden name. I and I loved it. I I was like, I'm with you emotionally. But after thinking about it for a few days, went, I know my mother's maiden name. I know my grandmother's maiden name, and that Barry doesn't. That's so that they could just introduce this point as a clue. It's too big a throwaway. Yeah. To not be. Yeah. So uh, now that have you seen it? You caught up on the Flash? No, I'm too behind again. You're too behind. Dang it. Okay. So yeah, I just, just spoiled the thing. Uh, so it's my okay. my speculation is that's who the the man of the Iron Mask is. Is the Earth Two? There is an Earth Two, Jay Garrick, and that will. That's what I've thought all along. And that, that but that will be Henry Allen. Oh, okay. So you get to put John Wesley's ship. Back in as a flash, sure. Without be- and then really restoring the father son, and that'll be a relationship. That'll be or a the way uncle, crazy or the uncle nephew. The unmasking will be really crazy, and I will scream. Well, just like at the end of season one last year, when his helmet first flew out, oh, yeah. and I was like, ah, they're gonna do her too, uh, you know. And now it's what ah, they're gonna do. I don't know what they're gonna do. <laughs> um, Kevin Smith directed last night's episode, and uh, or, or yeah, this is the second one. No, this is his this first is first one. First episode direct. They just they've hyped it up for a, a while. Oh, okay, and it really does. When you get to it, it's it's the emotional core of the season. Okay, it really gets to a lot of mythos and but in a right for Kevin Smith, it's a lot of conversation. It's a lot of dialogue heavy scenes that that move things forward, but also kind of like oh yeah yeah yeah, this is another kind of emotional reset for Barry that works really well. So it was yeah. a, it was an episode that really played to Kevin Smith's strengths. Um I did like the way, I mean going back to episode, I did like the way they handled the crossover on the Flash side. Yeah. Whereas I'm back. Like, I'm back. And How long like, was it good? And nobody has a conversation about it. It's always like frustrating to me. It's like, but I'm like no, it's Hey, good. I met this girl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. Summer loving. No, but they couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I like that and and if Supergirl ends up on the CW, I will be oh, very that'd happy. Be great. Yeah. Even if it just means that two or three times a year, Melissa Benoist she's gonna say, just shows up on the Flash. She's gonna show up and go. Why is it so dark here? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, but he, now he says he wants to write an episode of Arrow, and he wants to introduce Onomatopoeia, his character from uh, his run on, run on Arrow, and uh, who I which think, I never read. Onomatopoeia. I, I didn't never read that the, his run on Arrow. His run on Arrow was really so the first arc was this just kind of recreated it was green arrows back right because he had blown up you know right. he came back from hell basically so it became sort of a a tour through green arrows relationship to everybody else in the dc universe and 
then ex- so you really got some interesting character moments there, and I think that's really where Kevin Smith excels as a writer too. It's like it is connection. Oh, sure. oh if only we had he had gotten to write Batman v Superman, um, you know that. Except nobody would have fought. It would have just been they would have been mad at each other. Hang out Sulked. In convenience yeah, stores. exactly. Uh, I assure you, we're still the we're Justice still. League. <laughs> uh, so oh, he, uh, you know, it was very strong. But Onomatopoeia is a is a is an assassin who is in the second dark. He's Kevin Smith wrote two shorter one. Onomatopoeia is an assassin who um, only speaks in sound effects. Oh, so is Powell, you know, it's like it almost seems silly, but he's so deadly. You have to take it seriously. And then he showed up again in those in those uh, Batman, the widening guy that that uh, miniseries that Kevin Smith wrote for Batman. Okay. Um, so really, Kevin Smith's the only one who's who's used onomatopoeia. I thought it was a cool, cool character, a cool idea. It's an interesting psychosis that fits within the kind of things like an Arkham graduate or something, something like he doesn't. Doesn't like doesn't like words. There's something he has. He has some mental illness, so that uh-huh. he has to do it. And I'm like, well, that totally fits within the DC universe. That's exactly the kind of. It was a good new. It was a better new villain than the one that unfortunately flamed out, which I loved the concept of, and they didn't do well. The film freak. Um, right. You remember the film freak? No. Film freak. Every crime was committed uh, based on old 30s and 40s movies because like his parents had always were always taken to the movie house, so he was a. He was he was a frustrated film grad, and went 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 bad, you know. And it's like that. It it was a good idea. It wasn't well executed. Mm-hmm. So you know, this is uh, it, it. It would be interesting for him. I think Onomatopoeia would be a fascinating addition to Arrow, you know. And and it's almost like a throwback to Batman, the Adam West series with the sound effects, right? But then again, an audience would have to take him deadly seriously because he'd be killing people left and right. Yeah, I, I immediately went to the the, the uh, Bam Biff booth. Yeah, Spe- uh, and uh, speaking of throwbacks, uh, John Barrowman's teasing that he's back in Wales uh, and that he might be returning to Doctor Who. So of course, everybody wants to believe that Captain Jack will be appearing on the on the Doctor Who Christmas special because we do know one that Bill, the new uh, companion. Uh, does is not going to appear in the Christmas special. She's oh. going to be in the ne- next full season. Now, the last season we brought in River Song, so you're kind of like throwing, you know, you, uh, Stephen Moffat closed the book on River, not really because the audio dramas are continuing, are supposed to continue the diaries of R- River Song. Right. Um, closed the book for her television with Peter Capaldi. It would be not. Could you imagine Capaldi, the 12th Doctor, facing Captain Jack? It disappoints me immensely that we never did get to see Matt Smith take him on because it was – it. I loved when David Tennant would because of the whole stop it. Like it was – you know, yeah. didn't like yeah. that charisma. Capaldi, I, that doctor would be really fascinating running up against Captain Jack. And, and then you have to – but the problem with Captain Jack now is the same problem you have with Lady Me is as actors – now you're you're getting to the point you have to explain why they got older, because they're immortal characters. Right. Now Jack's aging was messed with in Miracle Day, right? The Stars series, and we do know that eventually he really ages. He should become the face of Bo. Yeah. Although they've said, well, maybe that's not. But I'm like, yeah, that's gonna, yeah, right. They don't write it around it. That was just a beautiful moment. But I would also like to not see. I don't want an episode that shows me. 
how he became the face of Bo. No. I would just like to have one last great because that last Torchwood sucked. Uh, Miracle Day was they were just painful. was a mess. They were. And, it was a torturous show to watch. I yeah. mean, not from the standpoint of being badly produced or anything, but no, the concepts were. The only thing I liked about it was adding Mikai Pfeiffer as an immortal man too. Uh-huh. Like, I, I thought, oh, great, there's potential there, but you bobbled the, the setup so badly, we'll never get to see it. Yeah, and uh, which actually, then for that matter, let's have Captain Jack and Mikai. Fe- uh, Mac- I can't remember Mikai Pfeiffer's uh, character in there, yeah. but let's put them both in that Christmas special. Why not? And then just woohoo, um, yeah, love it. So there's a thought. Now let's turn to let's finish up tonight with just a little love for Game of Thrones. <sighs> yeah, okay. Well, we had this week. We had uh, Jon Snow take a walk. <laughs> Jon Snow take a walk. I, I love the fact that his leg was when he was reclining on the thing. His one leg was up slightly so that we could still show it on. Even though HBO does full frontal, yeah, they they yes, the corpse had the sense to. Did uh, you watch Silent Live this last weekend? Ah, uh, which one was it? They uh, it was uh, Brie Larson was the host. No, I didn't. I caught they, up on a couple. Other they ones. bobbled the ske- the idea. They had a great idea for a sketch. Yeah, but they couldn't decide really how they were going to approach it. It was Game of Thrones related. Is that they went back to the previous week's episode bringing in Melisandre to bring Jon Snow back to life. And so they're like just hovering around, can you? And it's all this, should we, should we not, and blah, blah, blah. And then Brie Larson and uh, I can't remember the... Uh, regular cast member? One of the regular cast members, uh, the 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 really attractive brunette who's the... Uh, who used to be the on Weekend does, Update? Who used to be on Weekend Update? She uh, does the uh, girl you end up talking yeah, with. Yeah, the yeah, party. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why am I blanking on her name now? Because it's crucial. This is that. But luckily, that now the gun's to your head because I'm having to give the trivia answer. And uh, <laughs> sorry, you died over this because I, I love her. Um, she's great. She's hilarious. And and so they were in the corner dressed as Game of Thrones characters, saying, "Yes, bring him back to life. We all know you're going to bring him back to life. You you know you've had the power. You've been." You've been teasing this ability for a couple of years. Just go for it. So I thought that was really funny. And then, they, but they just kept, di- you know, and they kept dithering, which was also funny. But then they started sort of breaking the fourth wall. Like, uh, so Pete Davidson was Jon Snow, and he, like, at one point sat up and they go, and she called him by his real, by the actor's name, Kit, right? Is that Kit, Kit Harrington? Yes. Yeah. So she says, lie back down, Kit. We haven't gotten there yet. And once they sort of established that they were aware of themselves as being in a TV show, then it bothered me. Like I, I, yeah. it would just it just would have been funnier to me if if there all if there really are just characters in, in in Westeros going, come on, we know this is my God, this moves so glacially. Uh, although I think it was, I cracked. I thought a really interesting fan theory now appearing that Westeros is actually Mars, that this isn't Earth at all. Interesting. Well, I, I've never. I mean, it's not Earth. It's a fantasy. It's a fantasy world, and and more often than not nowadays, fantasy worlds aren't Earth. They're right. They're another well, it's, another know, worldly thing. In Crisis on Infinite Fantasies, the, the theory goes: it's either Mars or it's um, uh, blah, blah, blah. it's Middle Earth, thousands of years later. It's almost like taking a sort of Shannara route without actually 
uh, repeating the plot of yeah. Lord of the Rings. I suspect John uh, and George, and it's R- his, it's his George own. R. R. Martin would probably... It's his own world, uh, and yeah. I get that. But, yeah. you know, it, it's funny. You know, you say, like, the fight in the tower, and, you know, I get to, I get to do my three-eyed raven yet again. Yeah. Uh, thank you for indulging in posting that photo. But uh, that... Uh, the fight in the tower is somebody again asked me is like, well, who do you think what what's in the tower? And it's so telegraphed, and I don't mind because at this point, good. At least the theory is coming through. Is like, it's it's Ned Stark's sister, and she's, you know, she she's Jon Snow's mother. Not the way because the because the Raven says when when. Bronn says this is not the way I was told the the fight went. Yeah, and he's like, it just proves that what really happened is different from the story. Yes, and then but we're not going to go into the tower right now, and it, because the tower is that's this is all leading up to you. You've been told one story for six five and a half seasons, and this is what really happened, and you know, but everybody believes that. So Jon Snow is not Ned's snow child. However, they is that he's not Ned's bastard. He's He's Ned's nephew. I, I did. I did particularly like the scene with Davos talking to the newly risen Jon Snow, and it just again cemented. And I said this on Facebook. Davos is my favorite character on that show. Just the I like the actor, and yeah, I, I the the character though is steadfast and absolutely and well, honest, he's loyal. Seen- he served his his master right. well, even when he disagreed. He had he had honor. He has honor. Yeah, and he's one. Of, he'll be a great advisor when Jon Snow becomes king. Um, he and Tyrion can uh, share the share the role. You know, I, another. You gave me another great scene with Peter Dinklage. The whole, you know, a wise man once said that oh, that great <laughs> that history is is you know is people having great. Good conversations, conversations. In, in in rooms. Who said that? I did just now. <laughs> oh, and but uh, Maisie Williams. Yes, man. the the whole The whole uh, blind fight scene was great. Um, uh, and her her her. So you probably finally adopting you, the. You probably realize this, but I did not because I've seen every episode once. That's it. You know, I don't go back. I I, I probably. It would probably reward binge watching, like to really go back now yeah. that you know. Um, but you've read the books, yes. So I had not realized, this coworker said, that each Stark correlates is slowly becoming a different one of the seven gods. Huh? I'm not. That's because, not something that comes out in the books, but but that that's kind of what's. Uh, was that you have a mother you have a you know and yeah, yeah. And, and and that and and that Maisie Williams is becoming the many-faced god she literally is you know so yeah. uh, you you've got that you've got the mother there's the mother the father uh i haven't paid enough attention to the theology yeah, of westeros back. yeah but it was an interesting statement that i'm like i really have to check on that i you know because then the starks will be the saviors of westeros yeah, in a way, and especially if Jon Snow is essentially, I would guess, be the father god, you know, because if he ascends and becomes king, and I think he will, you know, that that's where I think it all ends, uh, with Daenerys maybe, yeah, you know. or it could be Bran. Bran could come back and be king, but I think he's a seer. Who is the three-eyed raven, an- analogous to a god? 
I don't know. I had never heard that theory. I'll have to go back and look and see. What so, it, you know, this is a perfect time to say people listening to this podcast probably know better than I. Um, you know, this is uh, I, I'm almost to the point where I uh, maybe I'll do uh, audio books on this. Um, but it's still faster to watch the su- watch the show. Yeah. Um, One more thing uh, before we leave Westeros. I, I mentioned before that. Uh, <laughs> As we close the, As gates, we close on the gates, Westeros. Well, we ha- I, we saw one of the major news networks this week. Summer is coming. Oh yes, you told me about Fox, this. Fox Fox News decided that they were going to do a political report on the week's events in Westeros. Went to a went to a map so they could go over all the uh, all events. What I thought was charming, but what was what was amazingly funny, especially for Fox, was the reference to. Um, Ah, now I can't think of his name. What's uh, the reference to uh, Brian Williams? Not Brian Williams. Oh, um, Cooper. Anderson Cooper. The the reference to Anderson Cooper as a white walker. (laughs) It's it's true. It's true. And that was just... That's the joke you told me. That that was Thank you for reminding me to call out well-played Fox News because, you know... I get to say my my theory of comedy, and it offends people. It's like I will I will applaud anybody who makes a joke that's actually funny, and that was that that was clever. That's you know yeah. you might call it a cheap shot, but Anderson Cooper could totally take it, and uh, that's no that they, they get it. That that was that was well done. Um, so here's to it. Well, once again, if you have any questions, comments, compliments, criticism commentary right into editor at fanboyplanet.com definitely visit the website fanboyplanet.com one thing we didn't talk about because i just want to leave it out there until it opens and we get to fly we're taking up the shanghai collection is uh various people have gone to the soft opening of shanghai disneyland and uh done ride-through videos and so we've got a, a few on uh, fanboy planet the Tron life cycle, the Pirates of the Care. That's the Tron, what sold me. I was I was left flat by the Tron. The Pirates was amazing. I, yeah, I'm just astounded by that. Uh, I I stayed up late watching that last night. When I have to post this, I have to post this, and even the Peter Pan ride, you can tell, even though it's yeah. a little blurry. Yeah. There are improvements on, on what we have in Anaheim, what we have in Orlando. Noteworthy, especially since it hasn't been that long since they just improved the one in Anaheim. Yeah. And probably um, Orlando as well. Uh, I, you know, I, I was kind of like askance about Shanghai, just like, just going like, I mean, it'll be cool, but, you know, okay. This has just utterly sold me on, oh, my God, I have to save up. Yeah. And go to Shanghai, <laughs> and not this year, not next year, because it's going to take me a while to save up with all my other, you know, everybody. Let else them, let them put a couple more rides. But too. it's a big. Well, I'm sure there are more. Yeah. I mean, but that's what those are just the three that I found online right, so right. far. And even like uh, you know, Nerdist had done the Tron, and I think they did the Pirates of the Caribbean. And that's how I found that. But when I was looking for the Pirates of the Caribbean video. That's when I saw the Peter Pan. So I think more will be appearing over the next few days. Is Shanghai going to have a uh, Avatar? And no, 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 no. So that's just in the no. US. But but they but there's an there's a different Pirates of the Caribbean ride. There are two. We uh-huh. saw that at D twenty three. They have Tron. There's I think there's a lot more garden space, and I don't know what's in it, but I think the castle, um, which is the largest castle out of all of them. Oh. Um, it, it encompasses three princesses 
and I believe a D23, though I didn't see the detail of it, I think there's a ride in the castle. Oh, that'd be cool. Um, not like a walkthrough exhibit of Sleeping Beauty. Like a dark ride in there. There's a dark ride in there. So, you know, we'll see what's there. I think what's interesting, is, you know, what they're missing is, and I remember this at D23, I walked up and said, I look at all these cool things and I don't see a, a haunted mansion. Mm. And she said, oh, yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? And uh, But realizing now that I've read that Haunted Mansion book, that it's like because in China you can't, you can't approach it the same way because yeah. they don't find – there's nothing silly about it, you know. So we shall see. Anyway, back to it. Go to Fanboy Planet. Watch those videos. You can see photos from the Alan Tudyk signing. There's plenty more. There's comics previews. There's a couple other articles up there. Like I said, all the Marvel reviews are up finally. I When I say up, they're over to 3.0. There'll be more stuff coming in the next few days. So look forward to it. Keep up with what we're doing. And if you like us – Editor at fanboyplanet.com. We take PayPal. Uh, So anyway, thank you very much. I'm Derek McCaw. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder (laughs) reminding you to use your powers only for good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com. Take PayPal. Uh, so anyway, thank you very much. I'm Derek McCaw. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder, reminding <laughs> you to use your powers only for good. And coffee, because clearly that's what we need. <laughs> <laughs> ah, tea gives me a headache. I'll take coffee. Yeah.